welcome to the Let's Scare My Girlfriend to Death podcast. I'm your co-host, Josh. And I'm your co-host, the girlfriend, Cindy. Hey everyone, welcome back to your favorite podcast where a couple break down horror movies thematically by month while slowly killing each other. My name, me with being terrified and poor Josh with having to put up with me forgetting things as soon as we watch them. My name is Cindy. I'm Josh and I'm here to scare the shit out of you. And then I'm going to forget all about it. So it's totally fine. (laughs) Uh, And this week, welcome to a mystery 600 years old. Ooh, a 600 year old mystery people. Guillermo del Toro's 1993 Kronos. Is it? Kronos or Kronos? Kronos. Um, I, he says Kronos. I think that's just his so accent. Kronos would be how we would probably say it here in the good old US of A, baby. Got it. So um, actually, this movie was released December 3rd of 1993 in Mexico. It didn't actually get a, an American release, albeit a limited one until 1994. But we're going to go ahead and use 1993 as the marker. Okay, that's fine by me. So um, what do you remember about... 1993. 1993. There's definitely things in the news I'm going to bring up here. I would have been 13 or 14. So Bill Clinton is president. We have zero deficit. Remember that? Mm. The last time the budget was fully balanced in the United States was under Bill Clinton's presidency. It wasn't in 1993, though. I'm just saying. His administration, but later. God. Yeah. Anyway. um, So this would have been my either... This would have been my seventh grade, seventh or eighth grade year, I think. Whatever. Yeah, seventh or eighth. Whatever. Next. What? <laughs> uh, I was uh, 11. Okay. I mean. So there, there you go. Okay. I was 11 years old. Living that best life. Uh, as far as the year of 1983, that's the year the that Czechoslovakia split into the Czech Republic and Slovakia. Okay. Uh, it's also the year that Bill Clinton was sworn in. For his first term. Oh, then yeah, it definitely uh, wasn't. Uh, the World Trade Center bombing happened. The Remember first they, one. Yeah, they put the bomb in the truck in the basement. Yep. Uh, the Great Blizzard of 93. Fuck yeah. Yes, I do remember that. We had like a whole week off school. It yeah. was fabulous. My dad made a big igloo in our backyard. Nice. You're the best dad. And like put water on it so it froze. And then we dug like a side out and then we dug all the way in. And it stood for like a month, like a month or more. Best dad ever. It was fucking awesome. Like we got to play on it. And play in it. It was fucking cool as hell. Nice. Um, that's also the year that the siege at Waco happened. Oh. Less fun than my dad building My ties to Waco upset me. Yes, that's true. This is the David Koresh nonsense. Janet Reno. Yeah. Um, the Michael Jackson allegations first surface in 93. Okay. The first set. Yeah. Uh, and NAFTA was passed. Ah. Uh. Remember Ross Perot warning us about what's happening? Right fucking. Sorry, what? <laughs> right. Uh, people that were born that year were Kiki Palmer and Ariana Grande. Lovely. People that we lost were Audrey Hepburn, Andre the Giant, Thurgood Marshall, Conway mm. Twitty, Vincent Price, River Phoenix, and Frank Zappa. This is a lot of good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you may be saying, what movies? Like, help me think of the movies that came out that okay, year. Okay, help me think. Was Kronos? We know that was one of them. So, in Got 93, that. here's what you could what, have like seen Edward in theaters. Scissorhands? So, you could have seen Adam Stanley Values. Okay, I love that movie. Army of Darkness. I now love that movie. Cliffhanger. Saw that at the drive-in. <laughs> Demolition Man. Okay. The Fugitive. Oh, yeah. I remember that was a big remake. Free Willy. Oh, my mom Speaking of Michael movie. Jackson. Uh, Groundhog Day. Great movie. Hocus Pocus. Another great movie. Um, Keep them coming. My neighbor Totoro. 
Love that movie, too. The best version of The Three Musketeers. The one with Charlie Sheen? Yes. I love that one. That's the best one. I love D'Artagnan. Yeah. Um, Tombstone? Good movie. God, they, I do like these movies. Yes. True Romance. Like, I don't like Westerns, but I love Tombstone. I love um, True Romance. We talked about this movie when we did Return of Living... Or we talked about this year when we did Return of Living Dead Part 3. That came out that okay. year. But one movie stands head and shoulders above all these other films. Tell me. That was the year, the summer. The summer. Of Jurassic Park. Oh, yeah. Y'all, if you didn't live through it, you don't know. An adventure of 65 million years in the movie. Rem- <laughs> there's two things that I really... Fucking loved that movie. There are two things that I really, really remember as far as movie technology goes. Number one, I remember Jurassic Park and never seeing, thinking I would ever see something like that before. Like, it was wild. Like, I always got out of, like, monster movies and things like that because you could tell they were, like, fake. It was incredible. It was so incredible. And the other thing is I remember watching Toy Story, the first one, and my sister being really pissed off because I was like, this ha- this isn't a cartoon. Like, they filmed this. The part, like, there's something with a car. And she was like, no, this is all fucking computers. Just fucking watch it. <laughs> so it, it's funny that kind of all around that time, um, okay. Jurassic Park was the second movie I saw in theaters that like forked me with. I was like, oh my god, um, because two years before this, I saw Terminator Two in the theater with my dad, <laughs> and I was like, oh god, love that. This looks amazing. <laughs> um, okay, so let's dive into the movie and for what everyone loves about this podcast, where I incorrectly pronounce all these names, names. that aren't English. Uh, <laughs> he's sorry guys. so if you keep it track at home chronos is rated r it is one hour and 34 minutes long mm-hmm. um it is written and directed by guillermo del toro who that. did the devil's backbone pan's labyrinth the shape of water hellboy hellboy 2 the golden army uh pacific rim crimson peak there's mine nightmare alley and the list goes the on. list goes on then um the cinematography is by guillermo navarro Guillermo, Guillermo and Guillermo. Yeah. Uh, Guillermo Navarro is the director of photography on Pan's Labyrinth, Pacific Rim, From Dusk Till Dawn, Jackie Brown, Hellboy, and The Devil's Backbone. Okay. Um, also one of, I think he's directing one of the episodes in Del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosity show on Netflix. Ooh. So he, that's cool. Cool. Um, the cast is, the lead is Federico Lupi, who is playing a character named Jesus Grease. <laughs> Jesus Grease. Um, so... Josh Grease. Yeah, you know him from The Devil's Backbone. He was the old, kind um, teacher okay. who was, like, from South America, remember? And he was, like, using the gun to protect the children. Yes. And he's the old king in Pan's Labyrinth. Okay. At the end, yeah. Yep. Um, and then we've got, because they're literally his first movie and their relationship begins here, Ron Perlman. Ah. It begins at one. It begins it. And then Hellboy um, comes next, eh? Angel de la Guardia. Uh, he, obviously, Hellboy, Beauty and the Beast, Drive, Ron Perlman, who I Ron met last Perlman. weekend. <laughs> Thanks, Horror Hound. Yay. Got him on a Hellboy poster, finally. Uh, Claudio Brooke plays de la Guardia, who is our, kind of our, I guess, our main baddie in this movie. All right. Uh, they were in The Exterminating Angel and Licensed to Kill. That's right. One of the <laughs> most famous, like, Bond. Spanish art films of all time. And... An 80s James Bond yeah. film with the Daltonator, Timothy Dalton. Okay. The Daltonator. That's a thing. 
That's the same person. The Daltonator. Wow. Okay. Um, and then we've got Tamara uh, Zanith, who is Aurora. Um, she's the child okay. in this. And then we got Marguerite Isabel, who plays Mercedes, who is in Like Water for Chocolates. Ooh, I love that movie. So there. It's a Johnny Depp movie, too. Go. Well, the remake was, right? No, I'm thinking of, I'm thinking of Chocolat. Yep. Water for Chocolate has... But never mind, we'll talk about this another time. Uh, okay, <laughs> continue. Sorry. So... That is what I've got is the time of the podcast where you look at the very bland, bland poster for this movie. This is the part of the podcast where Josh shows me an original print from the movie and I try to tell you what the plot of this movie is going to be about. Love Here this movie. Go. Don't love the poster. Kronos. It is black and white. It looks like Kronos is carved out of block and there is a woman with some sort of metal spider scorpion in her neck. I'm going to say this is about a vampire who has been around since the beginning of time. That's okay. what I'm going to say. Like, like a different take on vampirism is like there's one and he's just Adam. Like that's where it comes from. That part, like, that's what I'm going to say. What do you think? I'm down. Um, oh, what was it? The Mark of Cain? Those like video games I think they were where Cain of like Cain and Abel yeah. got turned into a vampire. Oh. And he's been around since then. Fascinating. Like, but... Um, yeah, this movie is, I believe you can find it in a couple places. It's definitely on HBO Max. I think it's also on Criterion. Okay. If you got Criterion. Which um, we do. I saw it somewhere else too. I think it might also be on, uh, Peacock maybe, but it's definitely on HBO Max. If you've got that, if you've not canceled yet from where they're doing all this fuckery with like commercials and ads and taking away a bunch of stuff. And my God, all I want out of you, HBO is... Fucking, um, like nice movies yeah. without freaking advertisements yeah. in them. Sorry. And Tales from the Crypt. Sorry, we Give get a me little all of the episodes of Tales from the Crypt, motherfuckers. Yep. So I can watch them. Yep. So little I ask of you. Yeah. There you go. Um, we're gonna be watching this on a pristine Blu-ray from a Criterion box set of Guillermo del Toro's work. <laughs> oh. So there you go. Um, of course we are course okay well uh i mean i think that's about it huh mm-hmm. all right join let's watch, us let's watch this fucker <laughs> join us won't you mind the doors
watched Kronos, which contained the second weirdest move, the second weirdest scene involving a scarab beetle looking thing that I've ever seen. What was the first? <laughs> uh, the first mummy. When they first go in, it goes under his, the brother's skin. It's like, <laughs> no, thank you. Yeah. Um, before we get into this movie, I just want to point out, uh, mm-hmm. I enjoy the mummy and the mummy returns i think they're fun movies i I just enjoy them um but there is definitely a thing where like there's a lot of people that have latched onto them and then they talk about how it's like the most amazing movie and then you're like oh you've never seen an indiana jones movie well i think it's (laughs) i think it is the millennial and gen z version of indiana jones does that make sense there's like, got to be something newer than that for me. No, well, I guess because at the like time, it was like when I was a little kid, this is what was on TV. Yeah, like when I was in the, like in the nineties, it was right when like Indiana Jones started to like there was the TV show, the movies were on HBO, you Indiana know, Indiana Jones Chronicles, and uh, and then there was like the Young Indiana Jones, wasn't that, that a that, thing? That was the show. Yeah, it was the Young Indiana Young Indiana Jones Chronicles. Um, and so like, but they were made, you know, in the early eighties, like when I don't remember and. <laughs> there you go so it was just you know that was that was Raiders. i think it's the same thing i think it's kind of that same thing the mummy it's always playing on tnt you know there's it's usually available on all the free apps yeah. um I and think, it's a decent ass movie i think I, last crusade was 89 and i can't remember what your temple of doom was doesn't matter but i remember temple of doom is the one that i watched kid yeah even though it's the most I, horror i want to say that's the one that was the most rerun if that makes sense because i do not like that movie at all monkey scene uh monkey and then like the chilled monkey brains yep can't do it i no, refuse to eat indian food for a very long time because, because of, that. of that movie and then i was like oh that movie's just racist got it like indian food is fucking my favorite food it, i just have one of those brains where like once i see something i start imagining all the things so like whenever i think about for instance that table from that scene it's like oh my god that's like a specialty item that's something like you have to order they have they must have monkey all the time but, and then that leads me into, well, there's the scene in Clue where, you know, monkey's brains, although, yeah, nope. I just, I like I the fact stop, that. I'm already started. I like the fact that you are just like, you see the scene and you're like, oh, judging from the table, this is clearly like a culinary thing that they have regularly. Yes. And Which I, makes no sense. Like, it's not like a table that's specifically required. Yes, it was. Because remember the little thing, it had all their heads Am I remembering it wrong? <laughs> the little spin thing. Yeah. I thought you meant the table they like sat at. No, was, like, the little, like, that had the monkey sense. heads. The little thing that spun? Yes. Oh, you could put like little custard cups on there. It, I don't think it was made specifically for monkey brains. Anyway, there's no way to know. <laughs> there's no way to know. I, I did not expect this podcast to take this turn. There's no way to know. But I am fucking loving this conversation. And they're... they're I feel like I'm just becoming more honest with like why I don't like and watch certain things uh, because I'm comfortable with you being able to laugh at me. Happiness, <laughs> happiness is this conversation right now. All right. Oh my god. Okay. Let's so talk back, about Chronos. Yeah, Chronos. So Chronos, um, a bug that can give you immortality. Yes. Is excuse me. Is trapped within a device that. People fight and die over. Period. That's what this movie's about. 
Kind of. What do you mean, kind of? I'm, I'm like, I'm, you're like 70-30, I think. Okay. On the description. What does uh, ye old IMDb say? They have a mysterious device designed to provide its owner with eternal life resurfaces after 400 years, leaving a trail of destruction in its path. Like, okay. So, very okay. similar. Um, I also would like to know if they did not have to pay, who was the um, actress who played the young girl, the granddaughter? Oh, um... Well, I just, I'm curious if she was actually paid... Tamara Zanath? I'm actually curious, because she doesn't really have any speaking lines. She has one. She's his grandfather. Oh, okay. Because then it's like, you know, technically she didn't say anything, so they don't have to pay her standard. Um, It's never been said... I was going to talk about this later, but since you brought it up, let's go ahead and get it out of the way now. Yeah, let's... Talk about the plot of the movie? Let's. Um, That little girl. So, she's always like described in breakdowns of this movie as being mute which she clearly is not no. because she says a word is she autistic yes yeah right i think so uh, no you know what it, you know what it might be it might just be a kid that's experienced a trauma maybe and so for instance uh the late maya angelo when she experienced a trauma she went mute she chose not to speak for oh my goodness i think it was like a full year or two years i mean for a while um, and as an adult, she could reflect back and she was like, because of this trauma, that's why I chose not to say anything. Maybe that ties into why her she father, lives with her grandparents, right, her father maybe. died, but also possibly autistic. I don't see any other real re- behaviors that would indicate that. I re- I think it's more, the more we talk about this, I think it's, it's Guillermo del Toro's way of explaining like, this is how traumatized she was. This, like, without going into the story of her father. Yeah. You know what I bet it was? What? I bet it was the fact that you had a little kid, and you're like, we could get away with having her say one line. No. Um, I mean, maybe, but Del Toro seems to be, this, at least in all his other work, I don't know why he wouldn't this is his, his first, first. Movie. Yeah. So, I mean, it would not surprise me if there was that amount of depth in it, but it also wouldn't surprise me if it was like, this is the kid we had. I she had a not, heavy accent. Yeah, I didn't want to have her put in a whole bunch of dialogue work, so we just kept it down to the I I like to think that he had this kind of all laid out and it was part of the pitch was this girl doesn't really speak much. Um, It's kind of implied that her father had a traumatic kind of a death and this is how she is. So, yeah, I know this was a hard sell in Mexico because they were like, want to make a vampire horror film? It was cool. Uh, new. Oh, well, but Mexico. He did get it made. Out. But anyway, let's talk about a little bit about what this movie is about. And yes. if by any chance you didn't watch the movie and you just want to hear You should. It's talk, a good movie. It is a good movie. Um, this movie is essentially, it's a vampire film. Again, I believe a vampire film where no one says the word vampire. Correct. Uh, it is about a old man named Jesus Greece, who his name translates <laughs> to so Gray Jesus. Okay. Which yeah, actually, he is Gray he Jesus. He is Gray Jesus. He has the beard. 100%. Whole, gray hair the whole Comes night. back from the dead sort Super of Super fucking nice grandpa. Um, but he runs like a antique shop. And at the beginning of the movie, we have this we alchemist. Have a talk, yeah, we have a talk down about an alchemist. Yeah, from like the 1400s During who invents the, the Kronos device, right. who which will keep you alive indefinitely. Right. As long as your heart's not pierced. Right. And, and the then, device is this little gold scarab beetle looking thing that contains this bug mm-hmm. that as long as you give it your blood, it keeps you young for it. Like it, it well, makes you young or it keeps you alive. I won't say okay. it keeps you young. It keeps you alive. More on the, the effects in a minute. So very quickly in the beginning of the movie, the alchemist dies in like the 1930s. No, 
the that, that yeah, yeah, that's right, the building, and then yeah, yeah. the Kronos device disappears, and it so, winds up in the grandfather's uh, antique shop inside a, a statue of Saint P. So what they're what they kind of establish is that the alchemist was around during the Spanish Inquisition, and that's why he kind of had to go underground, and then he, he resurfaces when. Um, in the 30s when a building kind of comes down. Yeah, it collapses on him and kills him. And they right. find, like, a bunch of dead bodies and, like, buckets of blood in his apartment. And Ooh. then it's never spoken about. Quietly goes away. Yeah. So the grandfather finds the Kronos device in the statue and accidentally turns it on and it like, stabs him. him in the hand. Right. And then it. this is juxtaposed against the story of the De La Guardia's. Which, which yeah. are the rich industrialist and the son, which is Ron Perlman. Yep. Or no, the nephew. Yeah, the nephew. Nephew. Because my uncle. And like, even though he's wealthy beyond measure, he has his nephew like sleeping in the, essentially the barracks in their basement. Yeah, it's very odd. The the main villain. Well, I won't say he's the main villain because Ron Perlman turns out to be the main The villain, antagonist. But, he's the force going against yeah, the main but, character. But he's not the bad guy. I would argue he's definitely the bad I mean, guy. Yeah. He's definitely the bad guy. Yeah. They're both bad. But he, Ron Perlman's the worst of the two. Okay. Fair. Um, I'll take it. And he, the the elder, right? Mm-hmm. The elder de la Guardia has cancer and all these problems and he wants to live forever. And he's like the Kronos device is the only thing that's going to save that. Uh, stop death from coming for me and he's got the instruction booklet on how to work the device right but great jesus has the device right and has accidentally used it and then becomes addicted to it and continues using it and then starts having cravings for like blood so let's talk about that so at first when like so he accidentally kind of gets pricked and he he quick you know like uh, he becomes younger like he physically looks younger Right? I think it's a combination of it. Like, he physically gets younger, but he also, like, shaves his mustache. And, like, he gets, like, a new He has, like, a little bit of vigor in him. Right? Okay. A little, little life in him. I guess. Which, it's a combination. Because he, he's definitely, like, aging backwards while he's a device. Right. They never really talk about, oh, it will make you young. Like, you know, even in, reca- in recapping it in my head, it's like, oh, yeah, it makes you, you know, live forever and you're young. But that's, no, it doesn't. Like. Okay, so. So he's an older man and he like shaves his mustache and he can heal really quickly. That's also something. Age backwards within the limits of like technology. Right. Like they didn't have like the Dick Smith ability to do what they did with like David Bowie. Okay. Um, They don't have that kind of money. Although he did. Del Toro did spend time. With Dick Smith learning how to do makeup. So there's probably a touch of that. Okay. I would argue that the Kronos device isn't so much, the transformation isn't so much one of like making him younger. It's making him into a bug, I guess, because all of his skin yeah. eventually sloths off and it's like white. It's like a white sallow It's kind like a of. carapace underneath. Yeah. It's almost like a bug. It's very white. Gross. And yeah. And I mean, let's be honest, this movie, this tour is first movie. And there's two massive tropes of insects and, yep. like, mechanical gears. <laughs> I was going to say, he does love his gears, doesn't he? And, like, amber colors. Like, those are those are del Toro, like... Stereotypes. Peak del Toro, right? Gotcha. Um, but once the transformation starts taking place, we don't know if he would get younger because Ron Perlman murders him. Correct. <laughs> like, 
uh, thinking he beats him to death, puts him in his car, covers him with booze, and shoves him off a cliff. As you do. Um, but it doesn't pierce the heart. So, so he just is badly injured, but he's fine. Yeah. Uh, I will give points to Del Toro because there was something that once he comes back to life, um, Gray Jesus comes back to life. That's what I'm going to call him for the rest of the Okay, day. Gray Jesus. Uh, once Gray Jesus comes Gandalf back to life. Gandalf the Gray, Gray Jesus. Um, and he's like in the funeral home. And there's the whole sequence with the guy who's going to like, oh, yeah. you know, burn We talked him. about this. Yeah. You were like, why is his suit on backwards? Right. It didn't and make sense. That's such an awesome like little thing. For someone who's worked at a funeral home, because it, normally when you dress a body at a funeral, when they bring you clothes and they're just going to bury them in them, mm-hmm. like there's no need to make sure that. Just, right. So since the body's already like taken care of, it's already been embalmed and everything's already ready to go and you don't want to like distort the body too much, mm-hmm. you tend to cut the back out of the clothes. Like you tend. You, so you it cut. fits you like a Snuggie. Yeah, basically exactly like a Snuggie. You cut like a line up the back of everything mm-hmm. and then you just put it around them. Makes sense. And then you could put like a stitch or two in to keep it tight. Okay. So I never it, thought about it that. It would make I sense that known. like whenever he, because they took the suit off, mm-hmm. when he would put it on, the only way to put it on would be backwards. Right. And then to tie the couple probably stitches that were in it. Yeah. It had is, like a like big yeah. Velcro kind of patch thing. Which is why... It was it's backwards. Neat touch. Um, also, the the they do sew the mouth close. That usually. was foul. And I know um, that creeped you out. Yes, it Another did. Another thing they didn't show that they I, I done is there's these little they look like little semicircles and mm-hmm. they got hooks like little tiny hooks. like not big hooks but little tiny hooks on them. Yeah, over your eyes. You put them in the eyes and then you pull the eyelids closed and the little hooks keep the eyes from opening. That's that. That's good. Like as the body tightens, yeah, yeah, and the know, eyes don't just yeah, snap yeah. open. Yep, yep. Um, Got it. Because we need everyone to look peaceful in death. <laughs> yeah. You know. Um, so, Gray Jesus physically starts slothing his skin off. Yeah. Um, like a bug. He, he goes to figure out how to reverse this from old man De La Guardia. Because he has the book. Who, they get into a, an argument and the little girl hits him in the head with her with the, his cane as he's about She's to like, kill great jesus um, <laughs> like an inspector gadget penny <laughs> penny yeah she's like penny she's kind Little of penny. in the background being like here let me just fucking do um, it um and then de la guardia bleeds out mm-hmm. great jesus drinks the blood ron perlman shows up finishes his uncle right finishes <laughs> killing him he and, and my favorite line of the whole movie which is after as he's killing him he's like You've made me wait long enough. Yeah, because that's always <laughs> the thing that, is that the uncle's always threatening to cut him out of the will. And or, then they, yeah, but he's like the only family he has. And then we get a um, low budget poor man's Highlander ending where they're fighting on top of a sign on top yep. of a roof, and Gray Jesus tackles Ron Parman off the roof to save the little girl, um, fucking himself up, but he doesn't die because nope. it appears the heart, and then. Um, killing Ron Perlman, and then in the most touching moment, he almost attacks his granddaughter because he's like, I need blood. Yes. So he smashes the Kronos device instead, and then goes home to die with his family, presumably. Right. Um, well, I mean, yeah, because the last scene is kind of, is him on his deathbed. With yeah, his and they also there. say, like, if the Kronos device go to you. Um, if you had never yeah. known anything about Guillermo del Toro, um, and you watched this movie, and this was your only, you would be like, wow, this guy is fucking super catholic yeah um this is a very catholic movie very catholic heavy um, but to, i mean that's uh mexico and spain like they are very catholic nations so 
it would make sense because that's where they take place. So he's just staying true to it, you know what he knows and the time and the area. Yeah, it, it's just to me, it's this. It's very interesting and it's very telling about very Catholic who this person is. That the lead of their movie is an elderly man who goes essentially through the journey that Christ went. Yeah, in a lot of ways, right? Like oh, dies, yeah. comes back from the grave, mm-hmm. all that. Yep. I don't know. It's, it's a child shall lead them, sort of a such thing. Such an interesting. Movie. It's a very interesting movie. It is not, however, an Arkov movie. I don't think Guillermo del Toro movies are meant to be. They're meant to be these little, I would these little pieces of art. That Blade Two. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I forgot he did one of the Blade movies. Um, but you know his works are always these these little pieces of art that have these powerful messages and images, and they're so color rich, like. It's not action naked, you know, that kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, I, Although people do die. I will say this movie kind of fits in with a theme beyond the overall theme of this is a big director's first film and it's a vampire, vampire movie. movie right? This movie is also kind of about addiction. Yeah. Oh, right? for sure. Like he. You're, you're first led to believe that that's probably what killed her father. Right. Because he, he tells some story about, oh, that was like your your dad, you know, he was just like that or something like that. So stubborn. Um, and then it, it is, he's addicted to this bug thing, taking his blood. Yeah. And it's I, like a, like a sexual, it, it's very um, like heroin images, you know, like the, he lets it pierce him and then he just kind of, you know, like falls down. Like, Oh yeah. I would say very orgasmic. N- me at the point in my life where I'm at now and my lived experience and where I live specifically mm. in Appalachia. Um, when I first saw this movie, I didn't draw the parallel as much. Um, it was like, oh, I guess it's kind of about it. But now living in an area that's been decimated by opioids, yeah. the idea of someone accidentally hurting themselves and then immediately being fixed by something that they become that is addiction hyper addicted to is exactly how most people got addicted to like opioids in West Virginia and that's how kind of meth happens right it was a thing of like I've hurt my back and they went to the doctor the doctor's like well here just take all these lower tabs they're not you know you can't be addicted to them so just eat them left and right and then now we have this and it's similar to this movie where you know he gets stabbed by this thing and next thing you know he's Hiding in his living room, letting it drink Suck on his, like, his chest yeah. while his granddaughter watches. Yeah. It's a whole thing. And it it's very touching. And it, it speaks a lot to... It's very poignant. A lot of clients that I've worked with over the years at different yeah. places as a social worker. It's um, it's kind of devastating. Yes. And, and, I mean, if we think about... Now, this movie... Does this movie take place... It's supposed to be Mexico, yes? Yes. So, like, that... They've had their share of dealing with, you know, addiction in their country and what drugs have done to their communities and their world. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a good connection. I think that's exactly what he was trying to say with this. What? I would agree. I will say um, just a little information for you. Yes, I was... Give me some trivia, some fun facts about this um, film. This movie was budgeted at one and a half million dollars and it went over budget to two million. Um, which was one of the highest budgeted films in Mexico at the time. Oh. Um, and Del Toro had to get himself half a million through loans and bank debt in order to complete the film. Um, and you believe in And art? to make this happen, 
Ron Perlman took a substantial salary cut, which is why they have been best friends. I was going to say, I imagine that's why Ron Perlman has a pretty decent career. Yeah. Because Um, he's a guy willing to do that. And so Guillermo del Toro is willing to, yeah, let's do this. Like, we can... We can work together on everything. It was probably that move, because if you read the thing about Hellboy, where studios kept giving him the green light to make Hellboy without Ron Perlman, Mm -hmm. and he would go, no, without Ron Perlman. Like, I think that goes back to this. Yeah, I think that's true. Yeah. I think that was Um, something that they kind of envisioned together. Now, the role of Grey Jesus was originally Mm -hmm. written for Max von Sydow. Is that a... That's the older priest from The Exorcist. Okay. Um, legendary Swedish actor, like legend, oh. would have been a totally different movie because Max von Sydow is Swedish and doesn't speak That's Mexican why I did, oh. or Mexican. Jesus, Spanish. Um, so, but it's it's very interesting. It would have been potentially an English film. Yeah. So, uh, Del Toro met with Universal uh, not long after the movie came out, and they wanted to buy the rights to the movie because they wanted to remake it. Um, and Del Toro turned it down, telling them that. Is there anyone who really wants to see Jack Lemon lick blood off a bathroom floor? Yeah, no. Absolutely not. Yeah. Not I. And I like Jack Lemon. So I would see this movie with... I think this is a movie I would watch with any of the generations. There wasn't any, like, you know, sexy stuff that makes me uncomfortable or extravagant gore. I think um, the 76-year-old... Would not well. She didn't want to watch it because it's subtitles. Doesn't like to do that. Um, and then the kids. Uh, I think if they sat still long enough, they would like it. But I don't know. It's it's just such an interesting story, and it's just so visually appealing that it's like no, I I could watch this with anybody, but I don't know if they'd sit through it, you know? Because it, it to me the thing I find interesting. Um, when you talk about that, is mm-hmm. a lot of these first films are things that comfortably sit in genre. Um, okay. And you have those genre tropes to kind of fall back on to make like a like a fun movie. Because yeah. you could tell the difference between American directors and non-American. <laughs> because, and, and I, I can't even say that because... The first film, A Girl Who Walks Home Alone at Night, is made by someone who That's was Iranian. raised in America and is an American filmmaker. Right. And that movie is <laughs> fucking wild. Like and it's it probably, in a lot of ways, the closest movie of the month to this movie because it's just a very competent and story that's yes. being told. And it's so different. About it's a... characters we don't normally get right. to see. Yeah. Totally right? agree. Like, Near Dark has characters that we've seen before. Like, they're young, mm-hmm. and they're in love. Yeah, there's um, definitely... Even with The Hunger, this movie is a movie about an old man. It's a new type of story. And an angry young American who's stuck in Mexico yeah. who wants to get a new nose. Oh, yeah, that's... I forgot about that subplot. Like, uh, it's so fucking crazy. And it's so weird that he came out of the gate with this movie and was like, no compromises. Yeah. Like, this is who I am. And it was excellent. I think he did a great job. So, um, I will say... Just a little interesting fact for you. Mm-hmm. This movie was only released in two theaters when it first opened in America. Oh, wow. Um, oh, sorry. In North America total. It only opened on two theaters. Really? Um, and then it made $621,000 on 28 screens. And a lot of people were like, why? Like, why? But by this point, he was already on his way to like 
Mick. Gotcha. Which is his great big failure. Uh, what are we watching next week, my dear? Oh. It's our fifth week. It's a, the fifth week the of the end month. end of the month. What are we wrapping up with? Okay. Um, there are movies. There are movies. That when I started this podcast, I was like, this is a list of films that I'm beyond excited to get to. And then we next week we get to one of those movies that I think you're going to fucking love. What movie is that? Um, when we watch the original Fright Night. All right. Fright Night. The original. So, From what year? I think it's like 86. Sounds good to me. Seven. I can't remember off the top of my head. But it's fucking neat. All right. Well then, <laughs> until next time. I'm Josh. And I'm Cindy. And I'm still his girlfriend. We love you. <laughs>